This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. Omicron is changing our lives for the worse, even as we've already been in the COVID-19 pandemic for more than 21 months. On the day that the Omicron variant became the dominant strain of COVID-19 in Ontario this past Wednesday, I was joined by the head of the Ontario Science Advisory Table. We began our conversation with Dr. Peter Uni's personal thoughts about Omicron. I've been on this now since 1st of March 2020. I can tell you I could scream, but it doesn't help. We need to see it through. We know what to do. We can do it together. I was, you know, again and again, just just so... Uh, you know, impressed by our population here in Ontario, how well we actually did. You know, it's difficult, but we, we help. And that's the point. We can do that again. This one is more challenging than the other one. We need to be aware of that. But uh, we just need to get ready and then through it. So, Dr. Uni, where are we right now? How bad is the Omicron situation today on Wednesday uh, versus the previous days? Oh, um, I haven't fully updated the, the dashboard yet, but probably today we will reach or have reached 50% now. Um, I, I don't know yet. I can tell you in an hour or so. It will be updated on our dashboard then. Um, uh, our, um, our effective goes up. <coughs> That's normal uh, because we, uh, we now approach this 50%. So Omicron is now slowly taking over. And uh, and uh, we are now roughly in the situation where South Africa was mid of November. No, that so means we will not see anything yet regarding hospitalizations. Um, we will not see anything yet regarding uh, ICUs. The next thing that will come now is that we will see an acceleration of case numbers, and this will then take you know this acceleration will then start to translate into a hospital admission, perhaps in about ten days or so from now. So what happens with the Delta variant? Does it, it just get squeezed out? I mean, how does that work? It's, the, it, it's just a competition. But to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I keep being fascinated how these changes actually happen. It really seems to negatively impact on the growth of Delta as well. Um, it's not that Delta merely just grows as it grew, it grew before. It actually slows down. Part of that is probably, you know, that our behavior changes. You know, people are more concerned, uh, rightly so, and therefore their behavior changes. And uh, for Delta, it's a difficult life. And we don't know yet, will it be the same as what we saw in the past, you know, when, when Alpha was crushed by, by vaccination and Delta. Um, there, uh, it just disappeared completely. Here it could be that we have some coexistence, you know, that we continue to have perhaps 1,000 cases or so a day with Delta, and we just see exponential growth ongoing with uh, with Omicron. We will find out how it goes. Or Delta gets completely crushed because of the public health measures, and both is possible. 
So based on how quickly it spreads in terms of the modeling uh, and looking ahead, how high could the daily case count go? Oh, it depends entirely on us and it depends on, you know, the, uh, the vulnerable population out there. The problem is that all of us for infection, not for hospital admission, but for infection, are vulnerable if we haven't had the third dose or the second dose within the last roughly two to three months or so. Then we're vulnerable for infection. So there's a large pool of people and we need to be aware of that. We probably will see a modification of what we see in South Africa. You know, there will be a lot of people who will get infected. They will have, um, you know, okay symptoms. They're knocked out a bit, but uh, it's not that bad. Why? Because they... Uh, were vaccinated fully with two doses and or were infected before. And then there are those people who are not immune at all, no vaccine, no infection. And that's the people then who predominantly will end up in our hospitals together, of course, with, you know, vulnerable people, elderly people, etc., who have protection with the vaccine. But since they bring in such a high risk, there is still then some of those people will also end up in hospitals. My conversation on Wednesday with Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID-19 Science Advisory Table. Be sure to make note, Dr. Uni will join us for a full hour on Fight Back Wednesday, December 29th, when he will give us the latest information and take your phone calls. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. The federal fiscal update was delivered Tuesday in a calm and measured way by Finance Minister Christian Freeland. But should our response be calm and measured based on what she told us? I asked this of our two expert guests on Wednesday, Kevin Lacey of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and Bob Richardson, liberal strategist and senior counsel to national public relations. I think it was sort of calm and measured. The words you mentioned are probably uh, fairly good. I think it gave us a sense that there's a plan that married with the uh, uh, the announcement that she made with the governor of the Bank of Canada this week. Uh, I think we see the deficit going down. It's still stratospheric, but it is going down. Uh, I think the job growth has been good. We're at about 106% uh, of where we were pre-pandemic. That's ahead of the U.S. I think on GDP, it's down from where I think the government would want it to be, but that's really more as a result of ongoing COVID climate change problems, and the supply chain. So I think uh, I think the numbers were not hugely surprising. Uh, the government continues to uh, uh, have the, if I could call it that, support of the bond rating agencies who give it AAA ratings. And I think uh, a number of external organizations have given them relatively good uh, marks for their pand- uh, pandemic management. Things that worry me about this budget, though, are uh, there wasn't enough on the innovation agenda. Uh, I get concerned that we're not focused on how we're going to reduce some of this government spending uh, as much as we should. And the OECD had a report out this morning that said uh, we're lagging in terms of overall uh, growth of the economy or they anticipated over the next 10 years. I think we have to take a serious look at that report and uh, make sure that that is not the case. So I would say overall, uh, pretty good, uh, but lots of room for improvement too as well. Kevin, with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, uh, your thoughts? Well, maybe a a different take. I I don't 
didn't see it as calmer measures at all. In fact, um, I think Canadians have a lot to be concerned about with what they heard yesterday from the finance minister, particularly with regards to spending. The spending continues and continues and continues. And this is not free money that they're handing out um, that's being announced in this uh, economic update. This is going to come at a significant cost. The borrowing uh, as a result of uh, what's going to happen here in the next few years uh, by the time they balance the budget, which they say is 26-27, though we've heard governments talk about balanced budget dates and never really hit them, uh, the interest we're going to pay on that debt is $200 billion uh, that it's going to grow by. Uh, that is a massive amount. If you think about just each and every Canadian, uh, what we're going to owe, this is, these are big dollars. And uh, the pen, if these support pen for the pandemic... Um, were really going to work, or we thought that uh, there was certainly a crisis about a year ago. But as we head now into the future, the, the, the pandemic is likely going to be with us for a very, very long time. We cannot continue to spend the way that we have uh, in the last few years. This is going to come at a cost, and all of the good things that Bob is mentioning is going to be sacrificed uh, as a result of all this government spending um, with very little fiscal restraint. Well, what does the deficit mean? And Bob, I'll ask you this. Uh, what does it mean to the average person when you hear $144.5 billion? What does that mean to me personally? Well, it should mean that there's uh, a lot of spending going on. I think um, a lot of it has been justified. It was a pretty much broad consensus that we needed to have enough programs in place for people, for business, and we needed to put money in to fight COVID. Uh, I think the government's done a reasonably good job at that. Uh, I think getting out of it is tougher than getting into it. Uh, and I think we probably need to accelerate or, or get a little bit more aggressive on reducing some of the government spending. Bob Richardson, Liberal Strategist and Senior Counsel to National Public Relations, and Kevin Lacey of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break, 18 and over, get your third COVID shot ASAP. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Starting tomorrow, anyone in Ontario 18 and over may book a COVID third shot booster. Eligibility has been widened in a hurry because of the now dominant Omicron variant, which is fueling rising COVID case counts. It was just this past Monday, eligibility was expanded to include all adults 50 and over who've been urged by Premier Doug Ford to get a third COVID shot as quickly as possible, since two shots are not as effective against Omicron as they were against the Delta variant. On Thursday, Libby was joined by Ontario Pharmacist Association President Justin Bates to talk about the best strategy to get your third shot as soon as possible. Across the healthcare system, this is placing a huge toll or taking a huge toll and burden uh, in terms of being able to turn that switch back on, ramp back up, almost like we're at the 
beginning of the vaccine rollout back in March of this year, uh, and and bring in all the health human resources that we need during the holiday season. So you exasperate all of this uh, because I think people were looking forward to after a year and a half of this uh, and doing extended hours and working through weekends, having that break. So, you know, at the same time, we're very much um, proud of the work that we've done and want to step up and we'll get the job done. But it is a challenge. There are capacity challenges. There are supply uh, challenges, not so much in the total supply that's available. It's how we get it out to the pharmacies that uh, are having some initial bumps along the way. But I'm pretty confident that over the next week to two weeks, we'll sort through that. We'll see that initial spike in demand, which is anticipated now that we have a broader cohort of people that are eligible. And then once we work through that, it will normalize. What I found even two weeks ago when eligibility was quite limited uh, was that it was it was hard to get in. Uh, their pharmacies were so busy that they wouldn't talk to you. They'd say you have to go online. Things were not necessarily updated online. Uh, you know, some would say we're doing walk-ins, but in fact, they weren't doing walk-ins, all of that kind of stuff. Um, have you had any feedback on that? Yes, and I think with the, you know, we're certainly supportive and we welcome the expansion to 18 plus, but it does present the challenge of how do we manage all of this all at the same time uh, in a very short period of time. And we know we have to do everything we can in order to combat this uh, Omicron and and try to prevent more restrictions and closures and, and hospitalization. So, you know, I think we're, we're certainly ready to step up, but you're, you're absolutely correct in your observations in that uh, we have to be patient because it's going to take uh, some time to get all the supply into the pharmacies to have the re, you know capacity to do this, and it's not going to happen overnight. And the idea of a walk-in is very challenging because we're very accessible, we're on demand in a lot of ways. This is a great uh, service, but we also need to manage the uh, chaos. We can't just have people showing up uh, and then. You know, then we're into the challenges of the safety protocols and maintaining distancing. So the appointment model is still the preferred model. And every pharmacy will have a booking system who's participating in the the program. And I still encourage people to go through that mechanism. Some will offer walk-ins and and there will be a hybrid model as appropriate and where appropriate. But the vast majority are going to manage this through the appointment model. And if we do that, we can match the supply to the known demand in the days and weeks ahead. And we can manage things in an orderly fashion uh, uh, and get the shots in arms that we're going to need to. Anything else that you would like to leave us with? Well, I think it's important to emphasize just how uh, much work has been underway through um, our system. And, and I, you know, I'm tremendously uh, always admire the work that uh, healthcare professionals have done throughout this pandemic and accommodating all of the policy changes and almost on the fly in real time, uh, trying to adjust. Uh, and that, you know, it's difficult when you have supply chain uh, logistics uh, contingencies and, and codependencies. But I would say that people need to be uh, kind and, and, and patient and understand that the pharmacist, the physician, the nurse, they're all doing everything they can. And they're, they're tired. They, they're trying to deal with all of these things uh, in the best uh, way possible. So uh, hopefully people will be understanding and will appreciate uh, the work that's being done, even if it takes a bit more time than uh, perhaps they would like. 
Ontario Pharmacists Association President Justin Bates in conversation with Libby Zneimer on Thursday. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We are all consumers, so when you think back over 2021... How are you buying and consuming compared with other years? Consumer advocate Ellen Roseman has been keeping track of the trends and joined me on Wednesday to talk about the year that is quickly coming to an end. This was a very unusual year, you know, except for the first couple of months. We were living in lockdowns uh, on and off and we were confined to home. And even if the stores weren't locked down, we were differently shopping. We were nervous. We were nervous about going to stores. We were nervous about masks and going to theaters and uh, going to restaurants. And it really did make a change in our behavior. Those, uh, especially older Canadians who didn't really like shopping online, may have felt that they had to because it was really difficult to to negotiate stores. Uh, often there were lineups outside. So you were uh, shopping online whether you wanted to or not. Now, do you think, um, and you watch the trends, do you think that the trend of online shopping will continue uh, even after the pandemic as people have realized, you know, when you do get what you want and it comes right to your door and there's no shipping, uh, that's that's a pretty nice deal. Uh, one of the things I've noticed with online shopping, especially when you're not quite sure who you're dealing with, you know, online People, uh, companies can look fabulous. They can give you all kinds of promises. It's all, you know, just hunky-dory. And then the item comes. It might be delayed. It might be defective. You start calling the company to find out what's going on. You can't get through. Nobody really answers your questions. And in the worst-case scenario, many people have found this. They just aren't getting a refund at all. There's just nothing coming. So then they have to go to their credit card company and hope that through uh, an appeal to the credit card company, they can get the item, uh, the transaction reversed, and they can get the money back. So my advice for online shopping is always to be really careful and do some research about who you're dealing with online before you you order. And uh, the best thing to do is just look up the company's name and look for complaints and go to the Better Business Bureau site and see what kind of ratings they have and what kind of complaints are posted online, because many people just don't realize how dangerous it is to give your credit card to an online retailer who whose reputation you don't understand and right. know about. Yeah, you want to stick to uh, the, the big companies, you know, and, and maybe you like to frequent Canadian companies, but that you know the name of, you know that they're legitimate, right? Right. Record levels of inflation. We are all dealing with that, and it's leaving people worried about how this will impact their household income. That is certainly a trend for 2021. Advice, guidance on that going into the new year? Well, the biggest item uh, for inflation these days is gasoline. And unfortunately, there's not too much you can do about it. It's up about 30% since last year. Uh, I don't even see a whole lot of competition among gas stations anymore. They all seem to be more or less in the same range in terms of prices. Uh, but one thing you can do if you're driving less than you did before, call up your insurance company and make sure that your car insurance rates are adjusted to the new driving levels because that can save you some money and at least maybe hope to compensate. Groceries are also a very high item uh, and they're going up. Uh, the biggest one uh, uh, is beef. So probably cut down on some of that meat and make it uh, uh, not every day and maybe make it part of a meal rather than the focus of a meal. 
Um, and there, there was some good news on inflation. Uh, mortgage interest rates are down almost 10% in one year. Uh, phone services are down 14%. Travel and tourism, uh, 20%. And uh, passenger, uh, car insurance, down 6%. And fresh vegetables down 5%. So if you're not eating as much meat, try to buy some fresh vegetables, of which you can still find quite a variety. Consumer advocate Ellen Roseman joined me on Fight Back on Wednesday when I was filling in for Libby. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Cheryl from Brampton phoned about booking a booster shot on the day eligibility widened to include all of those 50 plus. While the news was on just before you came on the air, I was in the website. I wasn't even aware there was a problem because I didn't even, I knew I wasn't going to try first thing in the morning. Anyways, I got through and it wasn't for myself because I've already got my booster last Thursday night for someone else that's a little bit younger. They, they're in that 50 age group, and uh, they're booked. So patience is a virtue. Dan in Brampton phoned about getting a third shot booster. I just want to let you know, uh, this morning I went to one, I guess, MetaPlus, which is in Brampton, a drugstore, and I logged in at 11.30, and I have an appointment for 2.30 today for my third shot. Good for you. Just, just like that, real easy. And now... Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week is Clay in Ajax, who phoned about the high cost of food and how to get around it. Uh, Sobeys has their canned vegetables on. A lot of people can't afford the fresh fruits and vegetables now, but they've got their canned vegetables on for 88 cents. Maybe you can't go wrong there. I'm on a fixed income, my wife and I, so like I said, I read my flyers. Uh, you know, you buy a 10-pound bag of potatoes someplace for five ninety-nine, or you can go to uh, Giant Tiger this week for $1.97 for the new whitewashed potatoes. But, you know, when you're when you're out of Potatoes income, at Giant Tiger? Who yep. knew? Yeah, Giant Tiger, <clears throat> $1.97 for a 10-pound bag of uh, new white potatoes washed. Wow. And the same thing at uh, No Frills is five ninety-nine. All my life, my mom was a single mother, so we... we do the value of a dollar at an early age. That does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us from noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi with technical production by Kelly Robotham. 
Executive Producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.